quieter. Hey there, hi there. Hi Babylonians hi. and welcome to a new episode. Bloody Babbles Podcast. <laughs> And Shauna's 41. I'm 41 now. I told you. And if the you don't know that, that's Shauna. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm Nicole. Shana. Yes. And, oh, and I'm Mackenzie. And Mackenzie is back for part two of this case. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We yeah, having it's her. really catching us now. Okay. So super loud. This is super loud. We didn't have the microphone plugged in before. For, yeah. yeah, so you don't know that. So which is good because I ended up having to pause for what I, Oh, yeah, my. Yeah. So it's fine. You know what? We had a sort of for a reason. Hey, Nicole, you have a really cool story to tell us about somebody you met at work. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, and I haven't been able. I got a new phone. And I haven't been able to log in to my Anchor account because I change my password, like, all the time. And I never know which version of it I use because I use, like... All the versions. All the versions of the same thing. But, so I don't know if Wyoming is here. So if Wyoming has finally listened, thank fucking God. Yeah. We've and missed, if you haven't, you. why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, the yeah, other day... We don't hate you, but we're not liking the fact that you're not listening. I'm very upset. Start listening, please. <laughs> please, please. please. Oh, God! Wyoming. Get it together. Get it. Let's go. Nah, nah. Um, be a Yuletide miracle. Okay. <laughs> what we want for Christmas is Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, the other day I took my mom to work. That's what it was because I didn't say that the first time, but you don't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first time. This is the first time. It's Never heard this story before. Oh my God. And there was, we saw this truck and it had a Wyoming tag and <laughs> my mom's like, hey, listen to her podcast. <laughs> I'm like, go to Wyoming and listen to my podcast. And then at my job, I don't usually try to talk about it too much because I try to keep that separate. Hi. And, um. I met this girl, and I won't say her name yet because I'm not technically supposed to say her name, but I know her name. So if you are listening, because she said, she's like, I'll start at the beginning and I will just binge listen. Because yeah. at her job, it's easy well, to do yeah. that. And I'm going to Okay, great. <laughs> not, not taking it out. Nope, it's very do here. My son is sick, and you're going to just deal with that. Okay, great. <laughs> and um, so she was wearing a serial killer t-shirt. Well, I noticed Manson right away. Because it was the first face I could see clear. She had like a satchel, satchel kind of bag strap, and I'm like, "Can I please see your sweat or your shirt?" And she's just, and her husband was like, "You're really gonna wear that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, because now we're best friends." <laughs> so, hi, friend, if you're here, and if you see me again, and you give me permission to say your name, I will just say your first name. I don't ever, I try not to say last names if I can help it, but yes. So unless it's, it's like who we're talking about. Who yeah. Committed a murder or was murdered. Murders, murdery, <laughs> murderesque. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, if you're here for part two and didn't listen to part one, go listen to part one because that's weird. Um, There's so much detail. You're gonna want to yes. listen to part one for and sure. And part two Definitely. is I got oh, I got eleven pages here of notes. Yes. Because I yeah. bought a book, <laughs> and all of my I think I have a package waiting at the post office. Because I ordered more books, and they're cases I haven't heard of. They're not um, Ooh, Nate Dog book cases, but I'm pretty stoked because I'm trying to be better and be more detailed. And speaking of Nate Dog, so and then Nicole saying that she got a new phone, she lost a lot of her information. So Nate, can you please resend her your laundry scroll list of cases? Of cases for I'm her gonna to try and go on Twitter because I can see like when he's like added us. 
But, but I mean, that's like a year's worth of information. Yeah, so. I had like a good like 20 to 25 cases. <laughs> and Nate like listens to every single yes. one. Like, ah, there was a few weeks ago uh, we had covered a case and I even said I was going to say it on the next podcast and now I don't remember what it was. But I left out a detail about I one of the guys. Hands. Good Great job. job, Bug. Okay, glad you're feeling a little better, home skillet. Um, but yeah, so... It was a it was a cool fact, and now I'm annoyed I didn't think of it. Used to be like, <laughs> but Nate, we need we need your help again. Yep, and I'll probably I'm gonna Twitter you, <laughs> tweeties, tweet you, <laughs> at you, message you, whatever. <laughs> but so if you weren't here for last week's episode, um, pause now, go listen, and then yes. come back. Welcome back. Hey, glad you did it. <laughs> welcome. That was great. Um, <clears throat> if you hear baby noises, I had one of those not that long ago. Um, he's not four months yet. He will be on this actually next Sunday when okay. we record again. I so. just suck as an aunt. It's fine. August twelfth is when he was born. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I just don't do get math. Born to me. I just don't do math. Me I knew it was the twelfth, but I wasn't doing my math. <laughs> yeah, yet. it was like fifth. I was like five <sighs> plus seven is twelve. It's fine. You know what, Nicole? I'm sure it is. It doesn't mean it registers in my brain. Because 5 plus 5 is 10, and then you add 2. Okay, I just, she's just initially, yeah. She's just I'm smart. a shit aunt. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. She'll know his it's birthday when it fine. comes to August yeah. next year. Exactly. Because, I mean, she cut his cord. It was a big deal. <gasps> I'm going to say something big before we jump in. My son is engaged. My son is engaged. My son is engaged. And he's gay. Engaged. Ethan. Do you like it? <laughs> Engaged. I love it. Yes. Yay. Well, he only wanted to tell a few people, but now all of you know too. It's fine. Well, Aww. whatever. Everybody yeah. knows that yeah. he should know too. That if anybody in her family finds Aww. out anything, everybody's gonna fucking know. So. Especially with who his grandmother is. Facts. Mm-hmm. And I told True. his nana and granddad today. So there's that. Aww. And yep. we're super excited. Hopefully it's, it's we'll be able be to go to the wedding, but it is what it is. We'll see when in it 2023. happens. Twenty twenty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So excitement! Yay! Aww. I Yay. love love. <laughs> I actually just I lit my self love candle t- tonight because I. It's always just a good feeling to have self love. So now let's talk about some not so loving things. Yuck! It's gonna yeah. get rough mm. today because we <laughs> left off. Um, we're talking about Leonard Lake. And Charles Ng, which we're going to meet. His last name is literally two letters. And I'm like, I had to look, I watched um, a documentary and then I listened to last podcast on the left because they did four parts. I mean, I could have probably divvied this up into four parts, but that's not who I am as a person. Um, but yeah, Leonard Lake and we had left off with him. Um, he had been acquiring this cabin from a lady whose name in the book was Venus. The book that I'm reading, or, yeah, I've read, well, I'm still, I didn't finish it, but, um, Die For Me by Dan Lasseter. Don Lasseter? Dan Lasseter. I think it's Dan Lasseter. It's called Die For Me. Mm-hmm. If you look up Leonard Lake, it it's just comes up. And, um, then I watched the Lost Tapes of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. It's called The Miranda Murders, and we'll get into more about that in this set of notes. I almost said nostrils. Oh my gosh, I smell popcorn. Sorry. Well, I mean, there's less crappy things he could be eating. I'm sorry, sister. (laughs) 
it was I actually farted. Um, anyways, <laughs> so this is, so we're going to just get into it. Toots. Uh, one woman who had been interviewed said that she would, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but my baby just tooted. It's tooted. That's fucking great. My, intu- my intuition is kicking in, guys. My intuition. <laughs> my intuition. <laughs> okay, one woman who had, one woman who had been interviewed, um, it didn't mention her name in the book, said that she would meet with Leonard occasionally for dinner and heard his weird stories he would tell. Um, she at one point met Donald, which is his younger brother, and she said Leonard didn't like his brother. Said he was a stupid person. My baby just scratched me with his monster nails. We gotta cut those suckers. I cut them Jeez. the other day. Yeah, I know. And so did my friend, not that long after. And they're long. Um, he, of course, talked about Vietnam and his survivalist skills he acquired while serving. Leonard liked to shoot his weapons for target practice, even though there were laws against it and bylaws, um, like saying you shouldn't do that. And he would often get visited um, at his, where he lived now. I don't remember. Well, he's in San Francisco for most of this. But he would just he does this pretty frequently like he'll just do target practice randomly on this thing that ends up being called the ranch um and it's always capitalized bye he would often flirt with with uh with the woman that's she she, who shall not be named that did not come out right and try to ask her to take photos of her with little or no clothing this is a repeat thing for him because he acquires way too many photos of various aged women, some as young as, I think, 10, oh. all the way up to, like, 28, or maybe 30, I don't know, but that's, yeah. At one point, he even asked to take photos of her 10-year-old dar- daughter. I'm fine. The next word I typed was barf, so I was going to say daughter and barf together, so it came out darf. Also, she's got a sick um, son right now, so it her brain is other places. And I worked, I got overtime this last week. We'll just put it that way at my job. <laughs> so um, he would often um, joke about never being taken alive because he kept cyanide pills on his being at all times. I carry death in my pocket, he said to the neighbor at one point. Um, like He'd either sew them into his clothes. They said at one point he kept one in, like, he had, like, a missing spot in his teeth, so he'd put a pill in there. And I'm like, how would you not, like, bite that and then not be dead? Which yeah, is unfortunate that it didn't happen sooner than it did. Because that's how he ends up going out. Um, we'll come to find out. Spoiler. Um, he really liked to ask ladies for pictures, coworkers, and their wives to pose for him, but he was more often than not turned down. Like, he, there was one couple that he worked with and he was just like do you and your wife want to come over and take like semi-nude photos for me he ended up taking in 18 year old bobby barnes who he would show this is a guy because i know some girls can be named bobby but um he would show pictures of various women in various stages of of undress barnes was concerned that lake in his 30s at this point was so interested in younger women his um bobby's girlfriend came to visit and lake was stoked about a woman being at the cabin and her friend also came to visit. Her name was Gina Travers. She was 19. Um, he asked to, asked her to sleep with his friend Charles Gunner for $100. She was like, no thanks. And he like mentions, this isn't Char- obviously Charles Ng because he hasn't came into the picture yet. Um, oh my gosh, why does he do this? I'm just going to have to do a lot of editing tomorrow. Um, okay. Okay, Gina, okay, talked about Charles Gunner. So I'm going to go... She declined, I said. Um, Charles Gunner was just one of, I think, one of his Marine buddies, and he's kind of a 
chubby, overweight dude. And Leonard, throughout this whole time we're going to be talking about him, he, like, bullied Charles. Like, he was so mean to him. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, but yet he would always try to find women to, like, do him. Mm-hmm. But then he would, like, belittle him and just talk shit to him. And, like, it's mentioned several times, and I'll probably bring it up when we get to that point, but he, they're like, he was a straight-up, stri- just a shit-talker. And he, but he was just so mean to this guy, but yet this guy, like, stuck around and was still his friend. I, I just don't get it. I mean, I gently bully my friends, too, but I don't, like, yeah. yes, not like that. Thirteen. Okay, um, so, yeah, just, he's so mean to Charles, and I just don't, don't be an asshole to people. I've known people like that, and it's, it's, yeah, there's He's just a fucking narcissist. And, and then you got this person that doesn't have that kind of self-confidence and and um and because even at some point you'll you will we'll get there we'll get there but yes yeah, so, so, like, so this person just didn't have the confidence to be able to stand up for himself yeah, or, or felt just, in, a, in a weird way that i deserve this turn it down who knows what that upbringing that person's upbringing was too yeah being belittled all the time may not be that different from daily normal life anyway right. so um, Leonard, like, okay, so she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna have sex with this random dude, no thanks. Um, but Leonard was very persistent about her being nude, and she finally, like, uh, okay, so at this ranch, he would just invite random people to come and just stay, and, like, it almost sounds like it's like a little community, almost. I don't, it didn't really give me a whole lot of detail about what this ranch was, like, because it started off as this cabin he was restoring for this lady, and then Venus, he just got kind of weirded out she got uncomfortable with him but like there was always people at this place and um like literally people would just be walking around naked like just living their like naked lives isn't that what happened at manson's place too i think so something similar i think i think yeah for anyway i've it's been a hot minute since I thought about I think Manson. they were... I mean, I know they're all about the... I mean, not that it's one the same with the free love, but I, yeah. I think there's a lot of nudity. Free balling, yeah. so... And I'm free, free balling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she finally succumbed to it and said that she would, she would eventually just walk around nude, but she'd only do it for a few hours of the day as some, other, some of the other people who visited his ranch would do, just like I said. So, now, um... He ended up, I think it was Charles who had this goat. It's a goat. Okay. It's a weird goat <laughs> that had one horn grow in the middle of his forehead. He's my unicorn. That's what I was going to say. He's a unicorn goat. And his name was Sir Lancelot. I kind of love him. And Leonard had a weird obsession with and went to sleep. taking pictures of it and having so women pose with it. Unicorn goat named Sir Lancelot. And he, like, Okay, I don't, I think I just put this in here just to kind of, like, brush over it. Like, he would, like, take this goat to, like, various, like, shows and stuff to, like, kind of show it off. And, like, people were, like, obsessed with it. Especially women. Like, oh my god, it looks like a little unicorn. Yes. So that's how he would, like, and women would want to come up and just, like, pose with it. Mm -hmm. So he used this to his advantage. Um, yeah, then, um, so that's one way he... I kind of go back and forth with this because that's kind of how the book is written too. But, like, he just, the, where he starts, like, taking women into his, like, trying to make, try to make them his possession. Mm -hmm. Try to make them his possession. Yeah. Um, He just, 
hadn't got quite to that point yet, but he like we mentioned in the first part of this, if you haven't listened, I don't know why you're here. Um, <laughs> but he was obsessed with that book called The Collector, where the guy kept the girl as a slave. Right. And so at right, for the most part, until we get into um, when they start trying to keep a woman as a prisoner, um, he just wanted to have a collection of all these women in, in various poses. Um, are we looking for a binky? I got it. Okay. Make sure there's no hair on it. That tends to happen. So, um, so that was that's just one of his weird obsessions. And then I already talked about how he liked to shoot guns, and he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. 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 Um. So. Okay. You're fine. This is gonna be so fun tomorrow. Okay. So talked about. Yeah, he liked to shoot guns and wasn't supposed to. He's pretty fucking snarky about it. He's like, yeah, I know the laws. Bang, bang, motherfuckers. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. There we go. There we go. <clears throat> so, Leonard took... Okay, so we're going to get back to the goat now. Because this goat is the goat of all time. Stop. You're fine. Um, Leonard took the goat to fairs for people to take pictures of the unicorn goat. That's when he meets 16-year-old Cindy Morgan whose mother wanted to have, have her pictures uh, taken in a more natural environment at his ranch. Okay. Matt Cindy Morgan, um, whose mother... 16. Six, she's 16 years old, whose mother wanted to have her daughter's picture taken in a more natural environment at his ranch. Her mother picked up quickly that he wanted more than just photos of her daughter, and he seized, and he seized a brief opportunity to ask her about, um, um, about it when her mother wasn't nearby said he wanted her to shave her entire body and paint her green, give her wings, and have her pose as a fairy. You know, casual. She giggled and declined because she's 16. Yeah. She's like, hee, 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 hee. He's an older man. He, 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 he. Um, um, so, um, at the, I put the Renaissance Fair. He tried again. Okay, so there was another fair. Um, she couldn't go to this fair, um, so he ended up showing up where she'd like to hang out, and she finally agreed to photos so he would get off her back about it. But she was also kind of a thrill seeker and thought it would be fun. So he got her to remove her top and her bra and took photos of her and zoomed in on her breasts. Um, like, I remember when he was in the book, when he was, like, talking about it, like, he, like, would zoom in. What is that noise? Hmm? Oh, it's the, it's the washing machine. It scared me. Sorry. Um, he would preach virginity to her, even though she had already had sex before, but she wasn't going to talk about that with him because it's none of his goddamn business. But he was just like, plus he wanted someone like pure and he's just fucking gross. So um, they ended up having that photo session down by the river. Um, and he ended up, after getting those photos of her, he like didn't really reach out to her anymore. Like he was like, okay, yep. Got what I needed. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Don't need you. Right. So, now we're going to bring in Darlene Davis, and she's, that name's going to be, you're going to hear it a lot. And she lived nearby his ranch. Um, in 1977, she is 13 years old. Um, he would visit her house frequently for a couple years, and he became, like, a really good family friend, I want to say. Ew. I don't, yeah, I know. And um, he would ask her. It just said ew. Asked about, he would ask her about her boyfriends and never told her parents um, that she would have secret meetings with him. 
And this, like, okay, so they met when she was 13, so this gets to about... They kissed and she felt a warm rush and would get super excited about it. And, I mean, she's 15, he's... Okay, 1977, so he's, like, 30s. He's fucking old. Yeah. Gross. She's 15. He's old. Yeah. She's a fucking minor. Um, she visited his... Yeah, she would go to his house with her parents and her sister, and he started showing them pictures of dogs that he'd taken over the course of his life. Um, he later showed his collection of nude women to her. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and she... No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, mm. no, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he ended up taking... Um, a trip once again to this guy Charles Gunner and like I said he was pretty harsh to, about his friend and his size he brought he wanted to just bring Darlene but she's like I'm not gonna be able to go with you by myself like I'm yeah. a child yeah. child Literally and 15 yeah and so he ended up bringing her and her mom and her little sister down to see Charles um, he was super critical about him and his living off welfare due to a disability injury that he had um, encountered and he, um, if you were here in part one, you knew that he, like, absolutely frowned upon people, um, yeah. who were unwelcome. So, um, he, wait, I'm just filling in Shauna here. Um, they went down to see Charles Gunner, and he was trying to get Darlene to go by herself, but she's like, uh, my mom's not gonna go for that. So her, her mom and her sister are down there visiting him. Mm. Um, and he lives on welfare due to a disability injury and, if you recall, his brother is disabled and he thinks people who live off welfare are right. just money grubbers and lazy and yeah. So, so they go down and they just visit him and he couldn't kind of do like what he wanted to do, like, like he tried to do with the, uh, with Gina and be like, Hey, I have sex with my friend. Wee, but he's so gross. Fuck that guy. Ugh. Fucking bipolar monster fuck. So shortly before she turned 16, she gave her virginity to Leonard. Ew, I'm so yeah, she said he was a sensual and gentle lover. Excuse me while I go vomit. Um, he tried to bring another woman in, but she was pretty repugnant to that idea. And he, but he did get her to pose nude for him. Fifteen. Fifteen. Um, so he proposed to her. Can we make him a bottle? Yeah. Where's all your... Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry if this is really all over the place, guys. Um, he takes her virginity, he tried to bring another woman in, she didn't like that, but she did end up posing for him nude. He proposed to her in mid-1980, which would put him at old as fuck, but, um, oh, I don't have that, never mind. So, but she's but, not 15 now? How but old? she felt 16 was too young okay. for marriage. So, so she is right before, that. I think her birthday's in December, um, I don't know when December, sorry. Um, but... It's a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. Absolutely. Always. I, that's in here at some point. Um, uh, she said she felt 16 was too young for marriage. He pouted. He was so upset. He was the biggest fucking baby about it. Like, you're yeah. like 31 or 2 you're or 3 like or 5. Fucking old. 34 to 35 years old. Because his birthday is in December too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm, I could be wrong. Doesn't matter. He's fucking old and shouldn't be with a yeah. child. No. And he pouted because the 16-year-old child didn't want to marry him. She told him it would be, be be better to wait till she was 18. 
He said he didn't want to wait, but she convinced him it would be better to. Um, she did stop going to his house for sex, but they did meet at different places, and her parents grew suspicious, but she managed to meet him whenever she could. Um, she knew she would always love him. <coughs> she got. She ended up getting sent away to boarding school because her parents are like... her first. I mean, I'm yeah, sorry. Which is sad. Ugh. The move interrupted the relationship, but it did not end. Um, some of these quotes come directly from that book, Die For Me, because I like how it's written. You go down, Dan, Don, Dan. Okay, you go down, down. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Nicole. <laughs> Stop. No, ma'am. Leonard decided he wanted to meet other survivalists and placed an ad under the fake name Tom Myers. He has several over the course of his life. There's like seven or eight different names. Um, so he ends up meeting 21-year-old 20 Mark Novak, who saw the ad and heard of Myers, Leonard, through another soldier as he was an army vet. Leonard invited Mark to the ranch, talked of survivalism, and Mark said he was a shit talker, like I mentioned earlier. He was confused. Everyone um, also called him Leonard, and he only visited for three days. Mark Novak comes back around because um, we're going to get to meet Charles Ng soon. Um, so it goes into talking about this lady named Pamela. Like, okay, so it goes really back and forth, but there's just so much. Like, and if you were to watch the doc, if you can find the, I can't remember the website of the documentary. I'll put it in the show notes. If I don't even know if I will put it in the show notes. It's so. I don't know if it's reenactments or if it's actual lost tapes. It was kind of hard to, because it said, like, the actors' names is who, like, who played Leonard Lake. And I couldn't tell if there were similarities, but regardless, if they're recreating them, it was fucking disgusting. Like, that, there's a lot of things that I can, like, watch and handle and stomach and everything, mm -hmm. but that fucked me up. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you need to burp. You're falling asleep. Um... So, now we're, so, yeah, he's big on the survivalists, but he still wants to keep that collection of women going along. So now, sorry about the loud pats, gotta birth the baby. Um, Pamela, so, <laughs> Pamela, a shop owner, uh-huh, Pamela, a shop owner in Ukiah, or Yukia? Ukiah? Ukiah. Ukiah, thank you became Leonard's next target as, after a visit from Charles Gunner and his wife, Vicky. And it said that Pamela re resembled the um, actress Doris Day. Um, yeah. So um, she knew of Leonard's photography and had no reason to pose for him till he convinced her to take photos for her boyfriend as a gift, like glamour shots. She, at, she was 27 at this time. That's a year younger than me. I believe he was at just doing it at random fairs, and he would just take pictures and all sorts of things to do. Um, she met up with him, uh, Pamela, and um, he showed her f her photos, um, and she discovered some young children who were semi-nude, and there was uh, pictures of boys and girls who were hugging, partially unclothed of various ages. Um, they went to her home, and she was really, like, it, in the, when I was reading in the book, she said she was really nervous about, like, letting him know where she lived. Yeah. But she ended up taking him to her house. He asked her to pose nude. She refused, but he didn't give up that easily. So he went after her sister, Tracy, who was yeah. younger than Pam. Um, what? Bink. Oh. Upstairs. Oh, shit. We had one job. Hmm. Um, I don't think I brought it with me, though. So I met Tracy at a... Oh, okay. So he ended up meeting Tracy at a party where several people had skin were skinny dipping, but she didn't want to partake, even though he tried to convince her to. Um, it came to an end when Tracy's boyfriend, who was part of the sheriff's posse, <laughs> I thought that was cool, told Blake to lay off or it would bring trouble. 
And then after this, um, all of a sudden a string of burglaries started happening over over the course of the town. Power tools, chainsaws, rifles, handguns, and ammunition, even dynamite were um, was stolen from different stores, different houses. Um, a little doomsday prep type of thing, wouldn't you say? Dum dum dum. Goes. He is dum dum dum. Dum dum dum. Sorry. So now we're going to go to another Renaissance fair, and he meets a gal named Clarolyn Cricket Balazis. Balazis. Cricket. Her name's Cricket. Yeah, she goes by Cricket. It's like, I really like it. No, it's so cute. <laughs> She's. She's in the documentary, um, so she nothing ever like she doesn't like partake or anything. Okay, so they started meeting up. Visited frequently. She worked as a teacher's aide. Um, She ended up introducing Leonard to her parents, Um, and she's kind of freak, honestly. I mean, let your freak flag fly. But she met his level of sexual desires and fantasies, brought um, brought in other women for threesomes. She was very adamant about being bisexual. Hey, we um, used sex toys, bondage, BDSM, and domination. She was all all about it. She's like, give it, give it to me. Um, and it said at one point, like, she was more into bringing in, like, the crazy, like, side of sex. Like that, all of that, where he was more of the sensual, passionate kind of nasty person, whatever. I think it's disgusting because who he is as a person, but... She brought, I think, more of that into his life, mm-hmm. whereas he was said to be just like a sensual lover. All while still writing to Darlene Davis while she was at boarding school, and he would send her pictures of Cricket, like he would mail pictures to her. Well, I was like, weird flex, but okay. Um, even sent photos of them having sex to this child, because she's still a child. Yeah, said Cricket was super jealous of his relationship with Darlene and was just just jealous of this girl because I think uh, Cricket is older she's in her like 20s I believe still young but not a child mm-hmm. um so over the like yeah course of um so he's living at this ranch one of his buildings ended up catching on fire and he had hidden bullets in it because um he likes to like bury things because he's a doomsday kind of person he buries shit everywhere and um as the firemen were trying to put out this fire okay well i don't know where they're at sorry um he spent he spent some time in jail because the fire started shooting at them because they had hidden bullets and he he received probation because he said if he's ever going to get caught he's going to pop a cyanide pill and but he didn't after he gets out and received the probation, he and Cricket quickly left the area. He sold his ranch, and they told him you had to move out. And he's like, you got to go by. So he does. So they go end up um, in a small town called Idenius Philo. P-H-I-L-O. Philo? Philo? I like Philo. If I'm wrong, California, let me know. Um, where he landed a job at a motel that needed managed. And she, Cricket, quickly got a job as a part-time, as a teacher's aide, aide at Anderson Elementary School. Met... Um, a guy named Robert Glover, who ironically was the captain of the fire department there. And an actor. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Robert Glover? Isn't there? Okay. It's Danny Glover. Okay, I'm done. It's fine. Keep going. Glover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He became a. So, um, freaking Leonard ended up becoming a volunteer fireman, which I just think it's ironic considering he just was, left his old town due to a fire at the ranch. Um, so he ended up place, placing an ad for someone to come help operate the motel, kind of like. Someone to run the day-to-day stuff, cleaning, 
So this gal named Connie Richards, she's 18, needed a job and lived in the city. So she took a bus and met the couple and was charmed by them. But she realized real quick that they didn't just want someone to take care of the motel. They wanted a sex partner more than anything, but mostly for Cricket and her bisexual needs. Mm. She wasn't into what Cricket wanted at some points, but was curious about it. She said that Leonard was gentle and caring, and Cricket was the kinkier of the two. Live your life. Do what you gotta do. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Leonard, of course, asked for photos of her nude, but she refused, but she did um, pose for him and where she, like, had her, like, breasts. They weren't, like, exposed, but they were, like, live cleavage showing kind of type thing. All while Nasty Leonard was still writing letters to Darlene. And even talked about making videotapes and asking if he'd be able to send her basically like sex tapes. So all the, yeah, correspondence with Darlene kind of goes on for quite some time. On September 13th, 1981, a Tuesday, because duh, -hmm. um, Leonard and Cricket got married. Are you kidding? Married. Oh, Cricket. I was thinking Darlene. Okay. Mm. All right. So, yep. Married. Woo. Yay. Gross. Um, Charles Gunner was the best man. Um, uh, Connie was invited to this wedding, and uh, of course Charles tries to hit on her because that's who he is as a person, even though he's got a whole ass wife and two daughters. Um, he complained of Charles. Um, oh, okay. Leonard complained about Charles, and of course brought up his brother Donald, because um, I don't know. It just reiterates quite a bit just about he just talks about the same shit over and over again. Doomsday stuff. People living off welfare suck and shouldn't exist. Even though oh, no, he himself lazy. was living off of welfare and his brother, who yeah. is truly disabled and needs the... Okay. Yeah, yep. and then um, about his time in Vietnam and made it sound like he was like this big old badass person. But at one point he does admit that he didn't do... Jack's Nothing war... Combat related, I should say. Um, so Connie ended up staying with them for three months when she realized she was just a sexual object for them. She left two weeks before Christmas to let, um, to, I don't know why I put that, before Christmas, um, and, okay, I don't know why I typed it like this, but she left two weeks before Christmas to Leonard and Cricket and a man named Charlie, who was an Asian man, who had arrived two weeks before that. (laughs) Leonard had been in touch with his army friend, Mark Novak, and had finally given his actual name, and he passed that information off to Charles Ng. A Marine who had gotten into some trouble. AWOL, gonna... Okay, he was facing a court-martial and needed a place to hide out. I didn't know what a court-martial is, which, but he stole a whole bunch of shit from the military and then was trying to sell it. Like, if, well, it says later on, but $11,000 worth of weapons. Mm. Is. Like, in, in the book, I wasn't going to go into too much of um, Charles's background, um... With Connie leaving, Charles assumed he would take over her duties of the motel. He was a tiny guy, five foot seven, and weighed around 145 pounds. Um, there had been a case mentioned during the trial on, later on that a man named Tom Myers had ordered a woman for her services. Um, so they had just brought. So in the book, it says that they were connected through Mark Novak. But then, like when I read online, um, he had placed an ad for like other survivalists and they said that Charles Ng had answered that regardless he becomes the other half of this story so um the, <clears throat> so okay yeah 
Charles and Tom Myers Leonard ordered a woman for her services. She arrived at the motel to meet. As soon as they shut the door, she ends up getting attacked by um, the small Asian man and a knife was stabbed near her face Mm -hmm. as they threw her on the bed. And this was the first rape that they um, complete. She said um, the men told her they normally killed the woman after they raped them, but they liked her and didn't want to kill her. Um, she later named Leonard and Charles um, in, once uh, Charles gets captured. After this encounter, they left the motel behind, and um, the so that was the first uh, case that they had. They didn't name the woman in the book. Um, so after this uh, first rape, they end up selling the motel and or leaving it and. Um, go on to the next town over I don't remember if I have what the town is called I'm sure it'll come up at some point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so oh yeah Wilseyville so that becomes pretty much their like home base um, the motel owner was pretty relieved that they were leaving as he had heard several complaints about them like at one point the motel owner said that they would be like in the hot tub just chilling naked living there naked best lives. It was great. So, um, on one visit to the motel, the owner saw grenades on a table and (laughs) asked Leonard, are those live? And Leonard said to pull the pin and find out. Um, so during the move, they asked Ernie Pardini to help them since he had a truck. He lived nearby in the next town um, that they ended up in, Wilseyville. There was a small argument between Ng, uh, when Ng and Pardini dropped a piece of furniture Um, And, like, I guess uh, Leonard, like, bit their head off and, like, was just screaming at them. Um, Christmas was approaching, and Ng didn't even mention that his 21st birthday was on Christmas Eve, 1981. Um, He mentioned needing to find a space to make a bunker for... Oh, Leonard did... That's really all over the page. I'm so sorry. He mentioned needing to find a space to make a bunker for the Armageddon he was sure was coming... He then showed Ernie his photo collection of all the women. He asked to photograph Ernie's young daughters. He was, no, adamantly refused. Leonard um, had already started secretly photographing Ernie's wife while she worked in her garden, however. Mm. So, um, okay, so like I mentioned, Charles Ng had been on the run He'd stolen, um, he kind of came from a harsh upbringing from his dad. Um, he was from Hong Kong originally, and then he ended up coming to the States to live with an aunt. And um, the one of the guys at the Marine place told, helped him like falsify documents that he was born in Indiana. I don't remember the town. Um, that way he could join the Marines, mm. because if you're not a state citizen, like by birth then you can't join the, the military mm-hmm. so they helped him and so and it went over it, it gets really really into detail so if you guys want to go check out the book i yes go read it i'm sorry i don't usually i try to give as much detail as i can but time's getting away from us tonight <laughs> mm-hmm. so um because of charles uh ing he goes by charlie um more often than not um uh, because he stole all of these um, military weapons and everything and sold them. He was now supposed to be court-martialed, which is basically he was going to go to federal prison, the brig in the um, Marine Corps. So he's on the run, and Leonard and Cricket were helping him stay, like, under the radar. So they got wind of him being at that motel. Um, So on April 29th, 
1982. It's one of my nephew's birthdays. Mm -hmm. um, the motel ended up getting raided by the FBI and a uh, police sergeant named, I don't know if it was Sergeant now, but anyway, Stephen Satterwhite, um, searching for the fugitive Ng. Um, so, uh, the yeah, the motel gets raided. And the motel owner is like, no, they're in this next town over. So they ended up going and catching Ng. And um, Leonard, of course, got questioned. He played dumb because they were like, you know, are all these weapons yours? Do you have any weapons elsewhere? But he had weapons all over the place. So, um, but he, like I said, he played dumb and said guns, some of the guns were his, but um, knew nothing of the contraband material. Um, Lake and Cricket decided to separate after the arrest. Um, but would meet for fun and sex because, you know, that's who they are as people. So Lake ended, um, Leonard ended up moving in with Charles Gunner and was still so absolutely awful to him and called him a beach whale, an orca, even called him Moby Dick. And Charles even started calling himself that. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, I am a whale. Ha, 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 he, he. Good thing he didn't know Peyton because Peyton would have drawn that whale. Peyton would have drawn... Sorry, it was just, it was, absolutely, <laughs> oh, it's great, okay, so, that was April of 1982, so we're going to move to July, um, he ends up meeting back up with Darlene, um, they would, because he was bouncing all over the places, staying off the grid and being low-key, Leonard was, um, while Charles was being detained, but that ends up getting, he ends up getting out, but anyways, he told her to keep writing letters, but to address them to the name Ted White, because like I said, he has a bunch of different aliases. Um, he ends up giving her an address in San Bruno, California, which is where um, Cricket's parents lived. Eventually, they stopped talking because she ended up getting a new boyfriend, and they wouldn't end up speaking for two more than two years. So Even though they're still married? No, Darlene. Oh. Darlene. Okay. Him and Cricket are still legally married. They're just separated right now because of this whole arrest and this whole big thing. And we haven't even gotten into the freaking touching about what he does and all the nasty shit he does. So, okay. 1982. Federal agents... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He... Okay, so he ended up bonding out for $6,000. And he takes over the name of Charlie Gunner. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Okay. So, um, this is... Okay. So, they weren't in Wilseyville yet. So, the I don't know what the town over from... Philo was, but now they're going to Wilseyville, which is in Calaveras County, which is deep in uh, the Sierra, ne in the Sierra Nevada. Okay, Nicole, good job. Um, the cabin they ended up purchasing uh, by her parents was going to be a future retirement home. So this is Cricket's um, parents' cabin. Uh, he ended up transforming it into a house of horrors. Please say, like W or both. Okay. Horrors and whores. Um, no, none of these women are whores. I'm so sorry. He's a whore. Fuck him. Police say Lake um, uh, created a fortified bunker adjacent to his cabin where he hoarded illegal um, weapons and pilfered video equipment. Foolishly, he recorded his dastardly deeds in a ledger that could be used as evidence against him in a court of law. Oh, Literally good. recorded everything. His diary was crammed with sexual fantasies involving sex slaves he planned to keep in his bunker after a nuclear holocaust. He wrote, quote, God meant women for cooking, cleaning, house, and sex. When they are not in use, they should be locked up, unquote. On another page he scribbled, quote, if you love something, let it go. If it doesn't come back, hunt it down and kill it. No one knows how many people... But he's people... such a gentle lover. I know. 
So, um, Lake killed several people over the course of his lifetime, and we're going to start getting into that. Okay. But it, it's thought that his first victim was his brother, Donald. Um, they got along like Dracula in sunlight. I kind of liked that euphemism. Mm -hmm. um, their mother reported Donald missing after he failed to return from a visit with Leonard in San Bruno in July of 1983. Donald, she's told authorities, went to Humboldt County to find work as a carpenter, but she never heard from, from him again. She remembered that Leonard once told her the world would be better off without Don. Mm -hmm. So, um, after Lake's Harakiri? Um... Uh, okay. Oh, that was supposed to be like an organized suicide type thing. Um, I actually looked it up, and it's like in J Japan, it's like where you're supposed to stab yourself in the stomach with a sword. Mm -hmm. So basically, com commit suicide. But he always had those cyanide pills. Um, so San Francisco police investigated a Honda Prelude that Leonard ended up driving um, when he was arrested. What? Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Okay, we're just going to go, we're going to do some back and forth. It's fine. Um, that car was actually re registered to a 39-year-old man named Paul Costner. He was a San Francisco car salesman. Further investigation revealed that on November 5th, 1984, Costner took an obese man ma um, answering or matching Lake's description on a test drive to sell him a prelude and never came back. Video equipment that was found in Leonard's cinder block torture chamber was traced to Harvey Dubbs. Dubbs was a San Francisco resident. He ended up vanishing on July 25th, 1984, along with his wife and young baby child son. Um, stacks of videotapes revealed home movies of hogtied women, orgies of lust, and young girls, their faces contorted in hideous grimace as they are forced to partake in oral sex and torture. Mm. One of the sex tapes showed terrified 33-year-old Debbie Dubbs being sexually abused so badly she couldn't have survived. And so in that documentary, if if you're... I, usually I'm like, if you're into sick, twisted shit, wee, sometimes I like looking at weird stuff because I'm gross as a human being. It was really hard to stomach it. It's about an hour and a half long. The Lost Miranda tapes is what it is. And I don't... If it's reenactments, regardless, it looks like 1980s like recordings because everything was just so gross, but but so detailed. It, it, it fucked me up. Um, on the same tape, Lake and his oriental accomplice were seen sexually abusing pretty Brenda O'Connor. Brenda, her husband Lonnie, and their... Um, and their son, I think it was Lonnie Jr., had been unlucky enough to be their neighbor. Brenda didn't trust Leonard, who called himself Gunner. Are you done the podcast? No. no. She told people thereabouts that... Uh, is it time to go to bed? Yes. What? She, go, just go lay down. Or just go in my bed. It's fine. She told people their... Um, told people thereabouts that she had seen him bury a body in the woods. Instead of notifying the police, Lonnie invited a friend named uh, Robin Stapley to stay with them for added protection. None of the four had been seen since May of 1985. And, yeah. At one point... Never mind. At one point... He, you never see him, like, kill a child in there, but he ends up killing two different babies, but he sh they show how they... Yeah. Nope. That was really hard to fucking watch, especially with a young baby like I have. 
Um, in captivity, Brenda was seen on tape tied to a chair, pleading for her life as her husband, son, friend, and others watched in horror. Um, Charlie Ng untied her, and she was forced to strip naked before being put in leg irons and ended up getting sexually abused by both Leonard and him. Um, on tape, Lake was heard to say, By cooperating with us, that means you will stay here as a prisoner. You will work for us. You will wash for us. You will fuck for us. Or you can say no, in which case you'll, we'll, this is really fucking graphic. We'll tie you to the bed, we'll rape you, and then we'll take you outside and shoot you. Your choice. Police estimated that 21 missing, quote unquote, women, daughters, wives, girlfriends were shown as victims of malicious attacks in the tapes or captured on still photos because you know how he liked his pictures. Veteran homicide sleuths, um who thought they had seen everything winced at the scream of luckless victims being raped and sodomized. Um, cry, cries of children in the background particularly distressed um, case-hardened detectives. Like, you can... Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Shauna's shit stretching her leg because she was holding my sleeping oversized baby. Uh, female captives were seen withering on the floor, humiliated in front of other male oh, and female yeah. captives. Still photographs showed naked young girls ranging in age from 12 Jeez. to their early ton in early 20s forced to engage in um, sex trysts. Six women identified in the tapes were eventually found alive. 15 more remain missing to this day. Abducted children and male captives were obviously buried or cremated in, a, in an incinerator found adjacent to his um, Wilseyville bunker. Um, I remember watching in... Uh, okay, investigate. Uh, okay, so in the documentary, at one point, this girl is tied to a chair, and she's asking, "Where's my husband and my baby?" And he, he's just like, "Well, your husband's dead, and your baby will be um, given to another family." I fucking hate everything about this. And then, then later on, he finally gets tired of her crying and pleading. He's just like, "Just stop. We're not even gonna give your baby away. Your baby's dead." <gasps> Fucked me up, and I'm so sorry, and I'm gonna ruin you. I mean, life. you guys, at the same time. Yeah. It's bloody bubbles. It's just a lot. None of these, none of these people we talk about are good people. This We're one, just getting I more mean, I've detailed done, about. We've done yeah. some pretty horrific cases, but this one. This is. Sorry, I think mm-hmm. I'm having a low, and stupidly didn't bring my monitor, which I even told I could, there was a voice, there's my intuition, whatever you want to call it, saying, "Bring it," and I was like, "Do you need peanut butter?" I do you need to drink some of Apollo's boob juice? Right? I need Apollo's boob juice. <laughs> Just kidding. I want cow juice. <laughs> okay. Cow do, boob juice. Do you need to go get I some need to just... It's fine. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> do I need to yell for Zabry? <laughs> Poor thing. has been doing everything, so... I know. <laughs> just keep going. Okay. Investigators continued to uncover one horror after another as more skeletons were literally... Um, sorted out of scattered fragments. Um, beautiful Kathleen Allen was a San Jose high school student working part-time in a supermarket when she met Leonard and Charlie um, through an ex-con named Mike Carroll. Carroll, please discover um, derived sadistic pleasure from watching people die. <clears throat> he and um, Charles Ng were cellmates at Leavenworth. Sound familiar? It's in Kansas. <laughs> Since um, Carol's parole, he and the... <laughs> keeps calling him the Asian in these, in these notes. Um, 
Charlie, were involved in several shady deals together. Alan left, um, Kathleen left her job after receiving a, a phone call that her sweetheart had been shot and was dying. Police chased, traced her final paycheck to um, Leonard's address in Wilseyville. Um, on one of the videos, tapes, videos, tapes, oh my gosh, Lake promises to kill the terrified naked girl and bury her like Mike if she didn't cooperate in a sex orgy. No. It's like a horror film, Sheriff Ballard told journalists who gathered at a press conference. Conference. I'm having a little too. Uh, vicious, vicious, vicious. What are you, what's that? I'm not using. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, okay. So on June 8th, hordes of police started uh, digging outward from Lake's uh, bunker working with a meticulous care to preserve evidence. With the help of sheriff's canine dogs, they uprooted some 50 pounds of human skeletons and fragmented bones, teeth, and partial remains of missing men, women, and children. They found jewelry, rotted clothing, and several driver's licenses, including that of Stapley and Mike Carroll. A rotted corpse was eventually identified as Randy Jacobson. Randy was a 34-year-old unemployed drifter who had vanished in October of 1984 after Lake answered an ad he had placed in a newspaper to sell his van. Donald, I'm going to guess, Gilletti, who's 38, um, a favorite San Francisco disc jockey, answered an ad in a sex tabloid offering free oral sex by an Asian male. He was found shot three times in the study of his home. Gilletti's roommate identified the man who visited him that night as Charles Ng. I just ripped out my earring. Um, uh, there were... Um, okay. Um, sorry. Terry Parker, who filled in as an elica um, elect elected... Bye. Elected coroner when he wasn't operating the area's only two mortuary, was, was a member of the body search team. He had a story to tell that would... Uh, peel masonry off buildings. Quote, when we started digging, we didn't have a clue what we were getting into, but more and more evidence kept turning up. A bone here, a shoe there, an entire body in a ditch. It got to the point where you were thinking, am I walking on someone's remains now? There could be more ever under every rock. How much longer could this go on? Quote, unquote. Authorities refused to speculate about a link between the crimes, but that was little comfort to the 500 residents of Wilseyville. According to Highway Patrol Officer Bill Claudino, people started locking their doors and listening for noises and wondering who lived next door. People spe or police spe speculated on solutions as the victim toll mounted and detectives uncovered body parts of some 26 people. In an unprecedented move, the district attorney's office released 15 of 21 photographs to the news media in hopes that relatives or friends would come to identify the bodies. Um... Since Lake was beyond human punishment, having taken his own worthless life with a hidden tablet, because that's what he did once they got caught, police concentrated on uh, Charles Ng, determined that someone would pay for these atrocious crimes. If anyone deserved the description Mad Dog, it was Charles um, Ng. Uh, he was his 24-year-old sidekick from Hong Kong. Um, okay, so this just kind of gets a little into his background. Um, um, sorry, hold on. Give me two seconds to just catch up here. Because he had crimes all over the place. Because he had stuff in uh, Canada. Um, he lived in England for a, a bout of time. Because um, it talks about the $11,000 of deadly weapons that he ended up stealing. Um, 
they were three automatic machine guns, seven revolvers, a night sighting scope, and three grenade launchers. Um, so, um, I'm going to get, um, okay, so that just talked a lot about just Charles Ng and his backwards, backwards, background. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> there were, it was said that more victims probably would never be properly identified because many had been chopped into small pieces and fed to chickens or buried. Um, having suffered excruciating pain, others were cremated and their bones crushed into malt. It was the slaughter of the innocents all over again. Additionally, um, they said Ng's practical involvement in the serial murders were documented in uh, Leonard's ledger and on videotapes. Unless we can locate Ng and get him to talk, the chances are slim that we'll never know everything that went on there. Because he went on the run for a little bit. He gets caught, though. Um, it, had be it has become a case so overwhelming, so enormous, and so gruesome that our computer system hasn't been able to keep up with it. Um, yeah, Randy Jacobson waved goodbye to his girlfriend in October of 1984 and drove off into oblivion. He was regarded as a 34-year-old long-haired flower child left over from the 1960s hippie period. Um, the thing that attracted Lake to Randy was his beautiful, well-stacked girlfriend who he unsuccessfully tried to seduce. Randy's blue-eyed beauty told investigators that Leonard offered her a job as a caretaker of a marijuana plantation on the lip of Humboldt County in Northern California, but she turned the job down. The last time she saw Randy, um, the distraught woman told police, was the day he left to sell like his 1981 Ford van. Um, then it brings us to when uh, Leonard was arrested, which was on June 2nd, 1985, because he was in possession of a bank card belonging to Jacobson. Um, his corpse was found under a chicken coop on the ranch, along with several other victims discarded like so much garbage, because um, he makes like a ranch-style area of where he lived um, in Wilseyville. I'm sure it's all that. Cool. Uh, relative... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Sh uh, Cheryl Okoro was uh, 26 with an hourglass figure. 38-year-old Maurice Walk was black, the hippie type with braided hair and gold emblems and ch um, chains dangling from his neck. After indescribable things had been done to them, they were ground into chicken feed. A relative of Miss Mrs. Okoro said that Cheryl... Uh, she had warned Cheryl not to accept Leonard's offer to show her his farm. She described Cheryl as a party-goer who lived in the fast lane. She said Cheryl survived by marrying illegal aliens who paid her handsomely, then divorced her. I mean, okay, live your life. <laughs> um, police were confident that Cheryl became Leonard's new score shortly after she entered the gates, gates of his farmhouse. Um, an excellent guitarist talking about Maurice. Was he was the life of the party whenever he and his dope addict friends got together. Once he crossed paths with Leonard and Ing, um, his strumming days were over. Um, pieces of his flesh were fed to chickens. Their bones were uncovered in the nearby woods adjacent to the bunker. Um, with hundreds of posters plastered throughout Canada, it didn't take long until Canadian authorities informed the FBI that a man bearing Ing's description was spotted in a bus station restroom in Chath. Chatham, 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 mm -hmm. <gasps> Ontario. I'm so sorry, Canada. Help me. A witness said he saw Ng shaving off his sideburns and eyebrows. The witness picked out Ng in a photo lineup at the Ontario Police Headquarters. So he fled to Canada, mm. um, obviously. Um, this information equated a Chicago man's call to the FBI, alleging that he had driven a hitchhiker, answering Ng's description from Chicago to a motel in Ontario. Okay, that scared me. It was just a fuzz. I thought there was a spider on me. Um, 
um, where they parted ways in Ontario, the shaken informant vowed never to pick up another hitchhiker after reading in the newspaper that his passenger was the subject of a worldwide manhunt. Um, they missed him, missed the Canadian police missed nabbing Ng in Sedbury by like literally just like inches. Um, they focused their attention to the Vancouver area of British Columbia. Um, this was prior, obviously. Authorities were worried that he might try to reach the Pacific coast from there. It was a hop skip to Hong Kong where he could blend in the Asian community. He had a weakness for shoplifting that finally caught up to him. So on July 6, 1985, Hudson's Bay Department Store security guards, John Doyle and George Forster, spotted him slipping a bottle of soda under his coat of all the things to steal. When it's they, always those things that will get you. It's always those. It's, you could be they could be so well done and versed in all these other horrible acts, mm-hmm. and then it's one stupid but thank goodness slip up that fucking gets their ass. That does the deed. Um, when they attempted to arrest him, he pulled out a thirty-eight caliber Cobra. Um, there was a scuffle. A wild shot took off the finger of Doyle. Calgary, Alberta police arrived and subdued the shoplifter of the California driver's license identified the kleptomaniac as um, Charles Ng. The 34-day manhunt for one of the most brutal and imaginative killers in in the annals of crime was over. Down to his last $10, Ng's hideout was a clapboard lean-to in a 2,000-acre wasteland boarding the southernmost tip of Calgary. His possessions were a pen knife, ten dollars, and the thirty-eight caliber Cobra. Um, you know, everybody was thrilled that this killer was in custody. He was immediately housed and placed um, in the Calgary Remand Center and placed under twenty-four hour suicide watch because of how Leonard took himself out. Mm-hmm. It was public knowledge that he and um, Leonard and Ing had made a pact to commit um, suicide by stabbing themselves with a sword rather than face incarceration. Um, top officers from the San Francisco Police Department, Calaveras County Sheriff's Department, and the California State Department of Justice flew to Calgary to interview him. Confronted with evidence, he typically blamed everything on his dead partner, Leonard. He had a phenomenal memory for details dealing with the deaths of Costner, Gerard, uh, Parento, and the Dubs family. Um, His story was enough to gag a maggot, which I thought was very well written. Yeah. Um... Getting him back to the U.S. from Canada was no piece of cake. According to a 1976 treaty between the two nations, Canada, like Mexico, which also opposes the death penalty, is not obliged to hand over suspected killers to the U.S. if the charges call for execution because they wanted to give him the death penalty. Vladimir. Yeah, I know. I don't have it here, but I do need you to get me a glass of milk, peanut butter, and a spoon, please. Thank you. Love you. You're the best. Ng's attorney fought uh, strenuously against extradition proceedings because some of the charges um, he faced would be multiple murder, a special circumstance that marked him for death at San Quentin. Um, Canadians found Ng guilty of (laughs) aggravated assault. I was going to say aggressive. Aggravated assault, robbery, and illegal use of a firearm for for the department store incident. Um, he was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. California would have to wait between um, the haggle of the United States and Canada. It took six years before the Canadian Supreme Court finally allowed him to be extradited in September of 91 for capital. Six years. But he was still in prison, but still, yeah, for capital murder. Um, after running through the loophole um, because of 
the tree or whatever, he was brought to trial. Um, the pretrial was in Calaveras County, and then it was moved to Orange County, which was already bankrupt and would have to worry later how they would pay for the litigation's hidden cost. Certainly no amount of money could pay for the pain and suffering um, Ng's legal shenanigans cost the families of the victims he was accused of torturing, torturing and sexually abusing because there's, it was in the, he was a part of the videos too. And like at some points, like during the reenactment or if they were the actual videos, I'm I don't know. thinking it had to be the real. Yeah, it was just and weird. But, um, and gross. But like at some point they found one girl who wanted to like be a part of it and just be their sex slave because she didn't have anything else. And she was just like, you know what? They're feeding me. And if this is what I've got to do, um, like Leonard would like direct Charles and tell him, Oh, touch her like this. Now do this and be like, okay, now tell him you like it and tell her, okay, say this to her. Like he was very fucking disgusting. So, during his trial, known throughout as the Lemon Law cause of California's judiciary system, began on Monday, October... Nah, not Monday. Began on Tuesday. Just kidding. <laughs> Monday, October 26, 1998, on the 11th floor of the Orange County Courthouse, Deputy Attorney General Charlene Hanaka and Calaveras County District Attorney Peter Smith prosecuted the case. Bill Kelly, an assistant um, Orange County public defender, represented in Poor Bill. The presiding judge was Robert Fitzgerald. Twelve jurors and six alternates listed intently as Hanaka outlined the state's case against Ng. Leonard Lake and Charles Ng planned and committed the murders charged in this case. She said through videotapes she retraced for jurors the nightmarish ordeal Kathleen Allen suffered. And I'm pretty sure in that documentary you see her and it's fucking, it's awful. Jurors winced at the sight of Alan, her hands tied tightly behind her back, listening in obvious terror to Ng telling her he would put a round through her head if she didn't submit to their perversions. In another segment, he ripped off a red and white baseball shirt of Brenda O'Connor that she was wearing, takes a folding knife, and cut off her brassiere. He warns her, quote, you can cry and stuff like all the rest of them, but it won't do you no good. We're pretty cold-hearted, unquote. In another clip, Leonard, snuggled in a recliner chair, quietly describes his plan to enslave youth, youthful girls. Quote, what I want is an off-the-shelf sex partner. I want to be able to use a woman any way I want. And when I'm bored, I want to be able to simply put her away. Kelly, in his opening statement, told he jurors... He needs a fucking sex doll. He needs a little AI yeah, doll. You'd think. I you'd mean, think. Um, told jurors that Lake alone killed the 12 victims Ing was being... In being charged with murdering. He said Ng may have witnessed the crimes, but he did not help dis Lake dispose of them. I'm not saying Charles Ng is an angel, Kelly said. He's certainly not that. That's apparent. But he's charged with murder here, remember. Ending people's lives, not cutting off their clothes. Considering the case had taken 13 years to come to trial, the opening statements were anticlimactic. The state took 50 minutes to present the evidence against the myopic and sullen defendant, while the defense took five minutes longer. By early afternoon, the first in a long line of witnesses took the stand, and the prosecution began to reassemble for jurors um, the six sexual fantasies of Charles Ng. Using um, every conceivable stalling tactic, by 1991, Ng had fired two different defense teams, sued the state over his temporary detainment at Folsom State Penitentiary, and waged a costly court battle over whether he should be allowed to do origami in his holding cell, a case he lost. What a weird request. At Folsom, he was caught, caught, mm -hmm. caught hiding escape paraphernalia 
Um, he filed, uh, filed challenges against four of the judges assigned to his case, resulting in the removal of three of them. During the course of his trial, Ng went through ten attorneys, including some who ended up defending him a second time. After saying he lost trust and confidence in Kelly, Orange County Superior Judge Robert Fitzgerald allowed him to represent himself. Aw, he bundied it. Yeah. His decision delayed the trial another year after he brushed up on the law. Then he there you go. You needed to do that because you didn't back before. Oh, oh good more. job. <laughs> Petition to get Kelly back. Um, when Fitzgerald refused to inst- reinstate Kelly, Ng filed a complaint with the appeals court. Subsequently, Judge John Ryan replaced Fitzgerald. Kelly was reinstated as Ng's lawyer. So now we're at March 20th, 1998. He changed his mind again and asked Judge Ryan to replace Kelly with Michael Burt, who already represented him on a charge of killing a cab driver in 1985. Oh, my gosh. The deal fell through when Burt refused to um, to state if he would be available by September 1st. What's the matter you? We're almost done, babe. On April 20th, Ng decided he wanted to represent himself again. Judge refused, filed a malpractice suit against two of his former lawyers, lodged enough motions to Phil Fort Knox with legal tokens. His success in starving, staving off his trial caused one reporter to know after Ng, California's legal system should be placed on trial. This is just one of those situations where you have a defendant intent on using every mechanism for delay. Yeah. Um, uh, that was District Attorney Tom Orloff who told a talk show audience, in a case like this, the system has no has to return the same kind of focus to stop it from continuing. In August of 1998, oh, squish, Judge Ryan finally ended Ng's legal, char- legal charade. He berated him and accused him of playing games within games within games. In a dramatic outburst, Ng cries, uh, cursed the judge and the legal system. One of his defense attorneys said this was evidence of his mental illness. The prosecutor said, stop. But said, Hold on. Said Ng was again further... Tra- Good. Ng was again further trying to manipulate the legal system. After an exhausting trial, the jury deliberated 15 hours over a three-day period before finding him guilty of murdering all but one of 12 victims. 12? Uh-huh. No, they were able to. Uh, all the way, but I just. But there's 26 or more. Okay, I was just. Okay. That's what oh, they could oh, charge him with. In the penalty phase, Kelly struggled to convince that his life was worth saving. He depicted the defendant as a classic dependent personality who was easily led by Lake, the most utmost powerful, powerful, powerful force in his life. Uh, Mom and Daddy Ng. <laughs> flew in from Hong Kong to testify on his behalf. His father testified that he mistakenly enforced severe punishment on his son, believing it would make him a better citizen. Um, They pleaded for his life. It was what the newspaper called a shocker. It gave tabloids one more juicy fact to chew on. The defense attorneys won um, more thing to worry about and it reconfirmed Charles Ng's position at center stage. His status as a, a killer without remorse who loved the limelight. Against the advice of his lawyers, he addressed the jurors. When our client decided against our wishes to take the witness stand, we felt tactically that wasn't a particularly wise choice on his part, said Kelly. I believe that sealed his fate. On Monday, now Tuesday, on Monday, May 3rd, 1999, a jury's decision that Charles Ng should be executed for his roles in the murders of 11 people 14 years ago marked a long-awaited but satisfying act of justice in a marathon case that went into the record books as the longest and costliest murder case in California's history. Theirs would be the high honor in the phenomenal 
yeah, phenomenal pleasure of convicting America's most cold-hearted killer in the most significant murder prosecution ever. The real injustice, a police spokesman said, is the justice system that allowed years-long extradition, extradition discrepancies, complex security measures, fired and rehired attorneys, accidentally destroyed evidence, accidentally my ass, an immeasurable flow of legal haggles and delays over such earthly issues as the strength of Ng's eyeglasses, because he had really terrible eyesight, um, like thick bottle cap glasses, yeah, yeah. the temperature of his food and his right to practice origami, the Japanese art of paper folding in his jail cell. The laborious cost, case cost all that and more to the tune of $20 million. Holy before Ng is executed, that amount is sure to rise through appeals in the cost of keeping him on death row for many years to come. As one prosecuting attorney noted, the justice system in America has gone haywire. Charles Ng is still alive. He has not been executed. He is still in San, he's still in San Quentin uh, prison to this day. Um, and, he, and he keeps appealing his case. He's gross. He needs to get colon cancer and penile cancer. All yeah. of it. Every person that has cancer, all that cancer should just go to him. All of it. Every he is a single, cancer. He is a cancer. Ugh. So, Gross. I've got a lot Ew. to work on here. Yes. It's going to be great. Because this was a pretty, this is over an hour. Okay. We made it. Hey, we love you. We Thanks love you. listening. You know how to find us on social media. You know our yep. our intro sound. Um, go rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you're from Wyoming, thanks. If you're not, go harass Wyoming to all ends. Please. Um, yes. Until next week, guys. Babylon. Babylon. Hey, this is Mark Jolliffe, a.k.a. DJ Soundwave, host of the Infinite Banter podcast. want to welcome everybody listening to come check out my show, Infinite Banter. The topics are infinite, and I'll banter about anything from hip-hop music to TV to movies, wrestling, comic books. You name it, I've talked about it on this show. I've had guests like Kurokski from the Fat Boys and underground hip-hop acts like Dirt Platoon on the show. I've also had actor Joshua Michael from The Walking Dead, Tommy McLaughlin, director of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, as well as independent wrestlers like Shaza McKenzie and Roxy, and legendary wrestlers like B. Brian Blair have all been on the show. So come check out Infinite Banter, where I'll talk about anything from TV to comic books to wrestling to hip-hop music. Listen to the show on all digital platforms, specifically Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Everywhere you hear podcasts, you'll hear the show Infinite Banter. So come check me out, the Infinite Banter Podcast.